This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody and welcome to the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damien McDonald. Um, excuse the background noise. I'll start with my good news and bad news. Okay, the bad news is uh, I've started recording at the exact moment when the housekeeping have come to our room to clean up. So I had to decide, uh, do I want to have um, good sound quality for this podcast and a dirty room or a clean room and shit audio quality? And uh, I, I decided to go with the latter, Damon. But the good news being that Hopefully, in the next week or so, I should be out of this hotel and uh, moved into my new apartment where the uh, sound quality will be slightly less shit. So that is my my good news and bad news. David, do you want to share your, your good news with us first? Ah, sure. Let's do good news first. Good news is, is uh, I uh, was uh, fighting for a little bit to uh, get a new job and I got the offer uh, Friday. So it uh, looked good. I have uh, Cheryl reaming it over as well. And uh, I, I would say 99% will be accepting that offer. And on we go. So that's good news there. Uh, the bad news is <laughs> the Toronto Maple Leafs have once again unlubed their fist and jammed it square in my anus. And now they're doing card tricks. Yep. They're doing card tricks in my asshole. I cannot believe... That team, that organization, and why I put myself through this every fucking year. Every fucking year. I got so drunk last night after they lost that I staggered into my house. It was like 1, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. I ate. Oh, we made ribs. Oh, they were. I got a new. First of all, I got a new smoker. I got a new grill. Fantastic, right? A pellet smoker. Made ribs. They were wonderful. They were the best ribs Congratulations. I've ever made. I, I, I feel like I should congratulate you on the new smoker. That's, that's yes. another piece of good news. You didn't tell me that off the air. What's going on? I, I'm sorry, my bad. A lot going on. Uh, and then uh, we, we fired it up. Fantastic. And then, so again, I had like a whole slab of ribs. It's like drunk eating them at two o'clock in the morning. And then uh, I passed out on the couch and I woke up uh, 15 minutes ago. There you go. There you go. I'm ready for you. I'm, I'm ready for. I'm ready for some podcasting. <laughs> we had a lot of people were, were uh, writing in, Damon, concerned uh, about you and wanting your takes on this uh, hockey situation. So uh, I mentioned to you that uh, Booze Leprechaun Nicole uh, messaged and said you might want to do a wellness check on Damon as the least blew a three games to two series lead to get three games to one Stanley Cup. Oh, oh, three years to one. Okay, well, that's <laughs> even better. Uh, Daryl said, Damon, please give us a post-mortem of the Leafs playoff run. Last year, I compared them to Yoshihashi, but at least Yoshihashi has now won a championship yeah. in my lifetime. On reflection, I think they are more Master Watto tier. This is, it's amazing because they are, like when people think of hockey, in many cases, you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs, much like people might think of the New York Yankees when it comes to baseball or the... Uh, I don't know. You, you could even make an argument and say Manchester United. Um, they have won nothing. 
I mean, again, it's, that's not an exaggeration. They have not won a. I mean, there's there's three rounds of the playoffs before you that you go to the championship game. They haven't won a playoff series since 2007. They've lost consecutive game sevens. They there was a game seven this year, obviously, where they blew a three-one lead. Uh, there was a game seven where they fought back in game six against Colum- Columbus of all teams, uh, and then shit to bed game seven. They had three against Boston where they could have won Easter Sunday at home. They could have put them away at home, but no, they fuck up that game, take it back to Boston, lose game seven. Every fucking year I get my hopes up, and every fucking year I fall for it. Every fucking year. It is just madness. But then come October, go Leafs go, and they'll have a great regular season and shit the bed in the playoffs. Joel, we brought in all these older players little sandpaper in their game to toughen up the beliefs. You know, that was the big gripe. We strengthened our defense. We even got solid goaltending. Our first line did shit. Our big superstars did shit this series. And here's the thing, Joel, Montreal is not a great team. Not a great team. Not a great team. They lose. They lost last night. Not even put up a fight. Three nothing they lost. And I'm just despondent. I can't believe I, I, this is the team I picked. This is the team I picked. So, I should be used to it by now, Joe. It's the same. Well, I, I wish I could give you a, a wrestling analogy of it, but I really can't because if any pro wrestler performed so poorly in big spots, yet continually got those big spots, uh, well, I mean, I'm kind of describing the 80s WWF. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, unbelievable. All right, rant's over. I got it off my chest. Fuck me, right in the butthole. Well, luckily you've got New Japan Wrestling to fall back on to cheer you up. Oh, Going strong. Jesus. De- definitely all, all uh, yeah. smooth, yeah. clear waters ahead, Damon. Nothing could possibly be going wrong. <laughs> uh, let's jump into that, being I'm already wound up a little bit. Uh, I, 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 guess, I guess that's our big news of the, of the week, right? Yeah, so we had a, a few people writing in about this amidst rumours that New Japan are in talks with WWE. Uh, WWE asking New Japan to be uh, ex- they to be uh, New Japan's exclusive uh, Western partner. So Count Homer says, if the talks are true, do you think this represents a change in approach to WWE's Japanese expansion plans? Um, we also saw Tony Khan cutting quite a, a passionate promo about the situation. Uh, Kaneki said, how do you all feel about New Japan giving Tony Khan the okay to cut the promo on Nick Khan and WWE? And uh, Boo's writing in saying, if you're AEW Khan and looking at these reports of New Japan talking to WWE Khan and rethinking, are you rethinking your decision to partner up? No matter how this uh, ends, uh, isn't this just another notch on the New Japan is a shitty partner scoreboard? So what do you make of this mess, Damon? Um, Well, there's a lot to unpack, sure. There is the fact that WWE and WWF and Titan Sports and whatever you want to call them, They've had working relationships with New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, I will say many times in the past, um, especially in the in the 80s, they worked together. Again, different time, different different space, different companies. I, I, I get it. Um, but even as recently as, you know, our, what we'll call our modern New Japan Pro Wrestling, it feels like there's always been talks... And, and 
with all different promotions. And and I had said that, you know, when you look at your, your balance sheets and you don't have a lot of money coming in, you're, you're, you're going to get into bed with uh, people that you may not have before. That's, that's, that's just a cold facts. Um, I, I don't know how serious those talks were. I don't know how uh, concrete they are or what plans, plans have been laid down. I don't think it's that here's, – here's what's what I find weird. The fact that it got to Dave, right? So Dave was the first one on this. And the fact that um, that it did leads me to believe two things. And again, I have no proof of anything, but it leads me to believe, A, it is some kind of, of, of testing the waters, right, dipping their toes in, and it's gotten to the point where it's, the, the toes are deep enough that Dave gets wind of it. Right, because they've talked before, recently, like you know, before, right? Um, and I say like three or four years ago, they've talked. Um, the so again for Dave to get wind of it, it might be a little bit more um, fire to the smoke. But the second thing is, is that it doesn't really feel like anything came about of it. Right? Nothing's really concrete. There's no plans. We just know that there was a meeting. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? We don't know if that means talent exchange. We don't know if that means exclusive partnership. We don't know. I mean, they speculated. Yeah, uh, sorry to jump in. Were you going to mention about the Daniel Bryan thing? Because the, the news trickled out after that, that it was specific discussions were made about the possibility of Daniel Bryan being able to work New Japan. Okay. All right. I mean, look. WWE is not the easiest company to work for. And for a lot of these partnerships, and I put in air quotes, and I, you can probably count on one hand how many WWE has had in the past 10 years, uh, they're usually on the side of Vince. And they usually are uh, there to promote his guys. Um, that's my biggest fear with this supposed partnership, is that I don't see how... New Japan comes out of this looking good in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the, the historic precedent is there that rather than uh, Vince using this as a, a, a productive platform to promote his product, usually with him, the playbook is it's to cut someone else off at the knees, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So whether that is to, um, you know, finally get the foothold in Japan for starting NXT Japan or, or whatever it is, and uh, could be to to hurt AEW because you know we've started to see uh, the partnership beginning to show signs of life between them and New Japan. But um, just looking at the companies that WWE have worked with in the past, at the end of things, they don't look very healthy. I mean, I'm just thinking of the Brit rest scene when WWE started to uh, sink their their hooks into that. The yeah. the scene is pretty much barren at the moment and you know part of that is down for you know the scandals and covid and everything but even before then they just hoovered up all the talent so uh, i think there are plenty of reasons to be apprehensive if uh, such a deal does go ahead right yeah i mean there's I, I i mean aside from maybe bigger paydays 
and the possibility of being a bigger star. I mean, maybe they're all looking at like Shinsuke or they're looking at um, AJ and they're saying, you know, he seems to be doing all right for himself. Maybe that could be me. You know, I'm sure he's making a lot more money than what he made in Japan. Um, so there's incentive there. I think, again, the company has to start for two years. They've struggled to put money in their pockets. It's not good. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna explore every avenue. Am I interested in that avenue? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, can, I can honestly say that my interest in New Japan Pro Wrestling would be near death if there was Roman Reigns on my TV show. If there was, uh, oh, I don't know. Pick somebody. I couldn't even tell you who's on. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. Or The Fiend. Or The Great. I don't even know his name. Um, it, it, can I just sort of unpick that a bit, Damon? I'm not, I'm not saying I disagree with you, but what is it specifically that would cause you to lose interest? Because, I mean, if you look at the WWE roster, they have got hordes of talent there like you could you could pick so many names that if you sent them over to new japan to have a new japan style match uh where you know free from the the vince house style you get tremendous results you know i i personally you know wrestlers like cesaro or, or akira tozawa walter keith lee pete dunn people like that but we don't know what this partnership would look like so what what would be your fears there what do you think this partnership would look like that will cause you to have very little interest in it. Um, water, the watering down of New Japan Pro Wrestling matches, talent, show, uh, the overproduction uh, that WWE brings to the table. Um, um, not having those matches that you described, right, with specific people that you mentioned, and not working in a New Japan style. Just because you're in a New Japan ring and you got WWE guys doesn't mean that these guys just swift flick a switch and now they turn into fucking Will Ospreay. Um, okay, so sorry to ju- just to clarify, you think the power dynamics this relationship would be such that let's say uh, there is a, a joint promoted show in Japan, you think all those facets of WWE production, um, you know, the, the TV style, the match style, all of that, you think would infiltrate. Uh, and dominate the presentation of such a show. And, and but you, here's the thing: you see evidence of that already. Like WWF had these super shows with uh, was it SWS? And aside from maybe one match, all these matches were pretty much WWF style. Uh, and again, that was in the '90s. I just don't see. Like I don't. I I just. I don't know if these guys can just turn on a switch. And, and work a New Japan style. Um, and I'll go so far as to say this. If you're a New Japan guy and you have the opportunity to work, and I put in air quotes, the safe WWE style, right? Uh, and again, there are air quotes there. Uh, at least on paper, doesn't that seem a little bit better than you know, you're Tanahashi. I, I might want to work that WWE style. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I just think it's just this fear of the unknown that we have no idea what it would look like, what the terms it would be. So uh, we're just, you know, flying blind here. You know, we, we, it's just complete speculation at this point. We haven't heard anything, so we can't uh, illuminate this situation at all. Um, do you think this could just be uh, deliberately leaked by New Japan to try to leverage a better deal with AW? Possibly, right? I don't. I mean, why not? Why? I mean, if they have the opportunity to do that, sure, of course. Um, I don't know. I mean, I like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I can't imagine WWE and a New Japan partnership in in any facet, in any way. Like, I just, I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see that happening. I don't. I, I here's the thing. How does New Japan benefit from this? Like. From a New Japan only point of view, how do how do they benefit from this? It's not like what that they're on Raw or SmackDown. Is that it? Because I, I could see I could see the upside for the casual WWE viewer who has heard this sort of mythical New Japan, and then you know they're watching Monday Night Raw, and this will be their first time seeing you know, for example, an Okada or a Tanahashi. So for you know that could be reaching. A lot of new viewers who have maybe heard these names before but never seen them in the flesh, and and likewise, I and I was chatting to Manabu about this, and he says that WWE is not really popular in Japan, but the the prospect of getting um, the likes of Nakamura and AJ Styles and, and Prince Devitt would be a big deal for New Japan fans. You know, getting matches or, or rematches like Naito versus Nakamura, uh, Devitt versus Jay White, or AJ versus Osprey. Daniel Bryan versus Zack Sabre Jr. things like that even like Kenta Nakamura Manabu said he thinks would be a dream match and there'd be interest in that uh, from Japanese New Japan fans so I can see what what the appeal would be not for us you know for us hardcore fans we know what WWE is and you know it's it's not our cup of tea and we've seen the the lessons from history about how things like this tend to end badly but for uh, more casual fans do you not think that there would be uh, some room for growth there that we we now have new new japan pro wrestling fans because my point being is this is that it's not like we're in the 90s and we're we have to take trade tapes to get these shows and you know it, you you can youtube any one of those wrestlers that you mentioned if you had any interest in seeing them you know like I, I, I find it hard to believe that if anyone had even people this, are lazy, Damon. You know, there's a actually. I know it doesn't sound like much, but the difference between it appearing on the Monday Night Raw that you're watching anyway, and then actually going out of your way to search this stuff and watch it on YouTube is a step too far for a lot of viewers. That's true. I don't know. I just think that the people that would want to see it have plenty of access to it. I don't think it would move New Japan's needle. I really don't. I'm, I mean, I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong, but I just I think if you're a fan of WWE, you don't you don't give a shit about New Japan. New if you're a fan of WWE, you might like Bullet Club. I know I know I'm being very general here in in describing fandom, but I just don't think a a person who tunes in on Monday night religiously gives a flying fuck about New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I know on the other side of the spectrum that many people who are passionate about New Japan Pro Wrestling 
have become passionate about New Japan Pro Wrestling because they can't stand the WWE and the product they put out. Can't stand it. They want anything to do with it. So, of, I mean, again, if, if the money's right and the exposure's right, and, and again, Vince doesn't have the best track history of this, but okay. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't think it happens, though. I just think it's too much oil and water. I really do. I just, I just can't see how that gets done. I can't see how that gets done. I feel like there's a lot of red, a lot of red tape that would have to be cut, and I don't think it gets cut. Okay, uh, Damon, I'm going to just pause. Well, not pause. I mean, I'm going to keep recording, but they're they're hoovering at the moment. It shouldn't be yeah. too long, right? Maybe, maybe a couple of minutes, but I think that. <laughs> that might be a, a step too far. Um, so I'll just let me write this down for Dan. So uh, hold on. So uh, edits uh, around 22 mins. And there was also one near the start, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember, I can't remember what time it was. Though. Uh, what I will talk about next is um, Manabu was telling me some stuff about the Wrestle Summit in the 90s. Are you familiar with that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, because do you think that's worth um, touching on about? Because when uh, WWF and All Japan and New Japan did their Tokyo Dome show and how that pans out, do you think that'd be interesting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing with that. Uh, they had, uh, I think, who was on that show from a WWE? Pres- like, I think Ted DiBiase was on there. I think, um, I think Rick Martel was on there. Uh, I think Hogan was on there. Um, but. You, they brought over guys that had somewhat of a name um, in Japan. But they really didn't work Japanese-style matches, it felt like. I don't, it, it didn't feel like it to me. Like, what, what, what was the show? What, could, do you have the lineup in front of you? Yeah, so um, I'll just go from the top. So Hulk Hogan against Stan Hansen. Andre the Giant and Giant Baba against Demolition. Warrior against Ted DiBiase. Tenryu against Randy Savage. Uh, Jumbo Saruta and King Haku against Mr. Perfect and Rick Martel. Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto against Chono and Choshu. Jake Roberts against Big Boss Man. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. I mean, these are, sh- these, you know, these matches are WWF house show matches, right? You know, they tried to put two guys in there that had talent, but, um, yeah, I mean, they kept all the WWE guys together. Um, I mean, you had Baba and fucking Andre barely walking in the ring and Demolition having to bump all over the place for them. Um, Hogan and uh, Hogan and Hanson wasn't a bad match, but it's, you know, it's, it, 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 you know, it's not super. It's not. Hogan does his drop toe hold to show his 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 wrestling skill in Japan. That's about it. Yeah, and again, again, that show was in the nineties. Could things be much different? Of course, but do you think that there's going to be a lot of W? If they were if there were interpromotional matches, which I can't say they the world there will be, um, that. I don't know. I, I, I think you're going to see more. I think you'd ha- the, the allure of this would have to be interpromotional matches. Because who gives a shit if, again, 
Roman Reigns and uh, Braun Strowman wrestling in Cork and Hall. You know what I mean? Like, who would give a shit? Uh, now, of course, this isn't the first time, Damon, that uh, New Japan and WWE or, or WWF, as it was back then, have, have done business together. And again, Manabu was really helpful in giving some historical context to uh, the Wrestle Summit, which was uh, in 1990. So, uh, so around that time, uh, Manabu educates me. Uh, it was a, a strange era. So New Japan was not the most popular promotion. Neither was All Japan. It was UWF. So uh, this WWE, New Japan, All Japan... Uh, wrestle, wrestling Summit wasn't like the, the biggest promotions in Japan uh, presenting. Apparently it was UV, uh, UWF back then. So fans at that time were thinking that pro wrestling's fake. UWF was real. Um, so we ended up having this show with, with Vince basically trying to cultivate a Japanese market, visiting Japan, hiring uh, Akio Sato, who was the former All Japan booker to help that business. He had connections to Baba and Sakaguchi. So then the Super Show happens. So New Japan were, were sort of helping with the show. They provided two of their own matches, but it was mainly uh, Baba doing the matchmaking. Um, main event was supposed to be Hulk Hogan versus Terry Gordy because Vince wanted to put Hulk Hogan versus the number one foreign wrestler in Japan on the main event of this show. But uh, Baba wanted to protect uh, Hansen. Uh, so he said, Gordy was the number one foreign wrestler to Vince. So Hogan versus Gordy was announced once uh, and printed on the program. But then Akio Sato told Vince that Gordy wasn't the number one. It was definitely Hanson. So the car was just swapped a few days before the show. And after the show, uh, I mean, funnily enough, New Japan decided to choose WCW as their partner rather than WWF. Um, All Japan lost lots of wrestlers because of uh, SWS. That was uh, Tenryu's new promotion. So then... The, the following year, we had WWF working with SWS in the Tokyo Dome and then New Japan working Tokyo Dome shows with WCW. So um, Manabu was actually at both of those shows. So it's really interesting oh, wow. picking his brains to find out what that was like. So uh, there is uh, a precedence here for, for Vince trying to working with New Japan and trying to get a foothold in, in the market in Japan. And it was not really successful. No, it hasn't. Um, and it and it hasn't been since. It's uh, they still do tours. They they I mean they would do tours. Oddly enough, they would do it like July fourth, um, in in Japan. It seemed like every every July fourth they were there, um, and they would get okay crowds um, for the shows. But they, they were just like one off, you know, two shows, not a big deal. I like the idea of super shows. I got no problem with a super show. I like a super show. Uh, I just, again, I don't want, I, I just, I don't need to see us on Raw, you know, I don't, I don't know, I just, I don't mind, I don't mind giving guys places to work, right, they got a very large roster, if there are guys that want to do a tour of Japan, do World Tag League, do, you know, you know, I got no problem with that, if, 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 if they're, solid guys and i don't think that new japan would be like oh you got me randy orton thanks <laughs> you know i i think they're gonna have plenty of say in who they have and who they don't have so uh we'll see i mean they talked before that they have a long history of it we would just went over it so it's not that shocking that they're talking uh but again how far they are talking and what will come of this who knows um i don't like it and the history shows that it's not good but uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, I do think 
long term AEW is the, the more viable option. I mean, we're seeing signs of that, like for example, Ren Narita winning on his AEW Elevation debut against Royce Isaac. So now we've got AEW as a viable excursion destination. So I, I do think that's where we'll see the partnership. I, I don't think this WWE thing will amount to anything. Again, that's not based on any insider knowledge. It's just uh, like you. I just I feel that this one's a, a non-starter just because of the, the huge stylistic differences between the companies. But um, I mean, in, in spite of that, we are seeing... Uh, wrestlers that we talked about last week uh, from New Japan coming over to the States and one huge piece of news name that we haven't talked about yet was uh, Satoshi Kojima expressing his love for Panda Express did you see his uh, Instagram post about that uh, did I see that no I didn't uh, he likes the Panda Express huh I never he had loves- I, don't, I don't think I've ever <laughs> had, never it. had it oh no. No. well I was I was gonna ask what it was like because Koji no. seems all on board with it and what what tickled me about this statement was uh, the post was in Japanese and then I hit the the translate function on um, Instagram, which, as you know, it's not always the most reliable. So this was the, the translation of what he wrote. Uh, when I'm staying in Los Angeles, I have a very favorite meal. It's a Chinese dish called Panda Express. In a lot of wank, I'm going to choose what I like and put it in. This is really super delicious and I ate it almost every day. If you eat too much, you'll get fat. So... <laughs> People want to know, Dave, and um, Jet Jaguar Juice says, do you think that the roster unrest could be partially quelled by sending other roster members to get a wank special? Louis <laughs> says, how much do you think a wank special is at Panda Express? But yeah, I can't believe you've never eaten there, Damon. Are you, are you a fan of Chinese food? I do. I, I do enjoy it. Um, I don't think there's one around me. Um, the only one I've ever seen is like in the airport, maybe. Um, yeah. No, I've never had it. I mean, what's the go-to dish? For Panda Express, besides the wank. I don't know. I've never tried it myself. That's why I wanted to ask you, because I I may have said this on the show before. I don't know. But my hot take, well, it's just my personal preference. But having lived in China for four and a half years, I prefer Western Chinese foods than authentic Chinese Uh, foods. So I I think yeah, uh, it's a lot sweeter. Uh, (laughs) I just find authentic Chinese foods to be tended to be very oily and just not not to my taste Um, so I'm very happy I found a place in Bangkok actually that does really good sort of western style Chinese takeaway sweet and sour chicken balls and um, chop chop suey is that what you call Mm -hmm. it in the States yeah yeah, I had some of that that was really good General So's chicken Chicken, yeah Mongolian beef yeah uh, crab rangoo things of that nature oh yes yeah sure you went all you went all in on the American. This, this was not one order. <laughs> this was several orders, but all it's right. yeah, it's very good comfort food. So uh, enjoy yourself, Satoshi. Uh, don't eat too much because you've got some strong dates coming up. Uh, you've yeah. got to be, got to be on your game for that one. But uh, yeah, there we go. We're we're seeing more uh, cooperation at least on the the, the transatlantic or no, it would be Pacific, wouldn't it? The, the transpacific it be. It be. front. Yeah. Um, all right. So we do have some. Big matches coming up this week in New Japan, in Japan. So as we're speaking, Damon, I'm watching the Road to Dominion show, which will be main evented by uh, IWGP tag team match, uh, title match between Grizzly Destiny and Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, it will be over. But (laughs) uh, are you... Are you going to check this one out, Damon? What are your, your thoughts, your, your expectations for this match? Do you think the title's going to change hands? Do you think it'll be a good match? Or what are you feeling? 
Oh, I think it definitely will be a good match. Um, it's This is not a horrific show. Um, even the multi-man tag match isn't bad. What do you got? Okada, Goto, Ishii, ha- Yoshihashi against Bushi, Sanada, Naito, and Shingo. That's not bad. I mean, I mean, you know. And then, yeah, second two, second, you know, main event, semi-main event, aren't bad. I'll definitely watch. You know, I'm not going to go. If, if everybody says it's great, I'll, I'll watch it this morning. If, uh, if not, I'll watch it tonight. Do you think we're going to get a title change? And get listeners with the benefit of uh, you over there in the future. You will know what the result is. But let's see if uh, Damon and I are right. Do you think we're going to have new tag team champions? This is what? Their third title defense? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. New champions. New champions. We will see a change. And then uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, June the 2nd, also at Coracoin Hall, we will have a main event with our beloved Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championship, which will be defended by Yoshihashi, Tomohiro Ishii, Hiroki Goto, against the challengers of Bushi, Sanada, and Tetsuya Naito. David, I'm really looking forward to this. I think this will be great. Every time they dust off those belts, they get a little fresh matchup, makes things exciting. I don't know why, man, I, 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 I don't know why they don't see this. And maybe the specialness of it is the fact that they constantly do something good and then just hold off and hold off and then give you, you know, it makes you long for it a little bit. And I guess if you saw it all the time, it may not be as special. But, yeah, when they do this, it's usually, these are usually good matches, fun matches, uh, and, and a lot of times steal the show. So I don't understand why they don't do this more. This is an interesting one because I could easily see that uh, Bushi, Sonata, Naito team winning. And of course, Bushi and Sonata have held those belts before for a very, very long time. Uh, do you think Naito being a six-man champion would be a bad look for him? Do I think Naito and the six-man doing what now? I'm sorry. Do you think Naito holding the six-man championship would be a bad look for him? Although, I mean, having said that, we've had you know people like Kenny Omega holding that belt in the past. So, <clears throat> yeah. We've had him. I mean, with that you, there's been names that have held that belt. Tanahashi's held that belt. Um, who else has held that belt? Belt. Uh, Yano, <laughs> the Briscoes. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't think it's a step down. It's just a. It's just something to do. Just something for him to carry. It's fine. Do you think they're going to win? No, no, I don't. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't think they need those titles. Like they, I think they have bigger f- fish to fry. But the guys that are holding it now, I mean, they're perfect for that. You know, it gives they, it gives those guys who perpetually have nothing to do something to do. Whereas Night Two is always in another program, and Shingo definitely is in other programs. So only one, only odd man out is Bushi, and who gives a fuck about Bushi, right? Yeah, I would be quite sad actually if Chaos lost these belts. Because, like you, I agree. I think it's a great spot for them. I love seeing every time they defend them on these uh, Korakuen shows. It's always good fun. And I uh, get to sh- have a, a showcase for Yoshihashi. And he always puts his all into that. So, yeah, looking forward to this one. It should be a good one. And then uh, for Dominion 6-6, which is taking place on 6-7. They moved it to Monday, June the 7th. I believe that's to get around certain restrictions. 
in Osaka Joe Hall, we only have three matches announced so far. So the first match I'd like your thoughts on is a special singles match between Kota Ibushi and Jeff Cobb, which I think has been built up really well. We've seen Jeff Cobb doing his own version of uh, Ibushi's movies, done the Kobigoye, and Ibushi was selling that tremendously in his post-match promo. He was rolling down the stairs, you know, completely out of it. So I think Ibushi's done a, a really fantastic job in making Cobb look dangerous uh, and a really threatening uh, challenger for him. And... Having said that, uh, Cobb has got a match lined up on June the 19th against Sam Adonis in the States. So we're not expecting him to be sticking around in Japan. So to me, that might be kind of tipping their hand a bit towards an Ibushi win, maybe heating him up for something. So uh, what are your, your expectations going into Cobb versus Ibushi? I'm looking forward to the match. And you're right. I think that they, they have done a decent job of building this up. Uh, yeah, given that news, I think you're looking at Kota picking up a win, getting some shine back. You know, we're coming into some important shows. You know, we're, we're going into... Summer Struggle, uh, I think. You know, maybe an Ibushi win would set him up as a yeah. potential title challenger for Summer Struggle, maybe. Po- yeah, possibly. I mean, uh, I, th- I think I don't, I don't have a, any problem with him challenging for any of the titles. So, yeah, I think we good. Um, looking at this show, though. And the lineup that's already announced. Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, wasn't it confirmed that El Desperado had the COVID-19? He had it pretty seriously, correct? He did, yeah. He put out a, a series of tweets and the translate function showed that he had a really, really rough time of it. So I would recommend you, you check those out. I'm not going to uh, repeat them all here, but he had a very, very shit time with the old COVID-19. And... I'm going to tag on a question with that, actually, because Classic Catch uh, asks us, considering half the roster has COVID and what we know about After Effects uh, with regards to cardio, do you think New Japan could have to shorten some of their matches? And yeah, I'm a little bit... Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about this match and and Despy. Yeah. I mean, they're expected to, to go at least 20, I would think, right? I mean, that's the normal junior heavyweight championship wheelhouse time frame. What, how's the cardio? How's the wind? How's how's he feeling? Can he go that much? Um, this, this is a perfect example that you don't have to go that long if you can't and, go. Uh, uh, Yo as well. I, I, I mean, it's not been confirmed that he had COVID, but he was in that group of people who were, were missing from a few shows. So uh, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that he might have been suffering as well. So yeah, big big question marks over this one. But I hope and, they and then the main event. Didn't Okada have it? Yeah, he did. He confirmed it. So I don't know. I don't know the, how serious it was for him, but you know he's going to have to do his thirty-five minute special, right? So, are you suggesting, Damon, that Kazuchika Okada is going to work this main event at a relatively slow pace and be locking on chin locks and money clips and things like that? Because I can't. I can't imagine that, Damon. I'm, this is ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just saying, uh, first match back, who knows what, what kind of physical condition, stamina. I mean, again, he, th- th- I'm sure he's going to get some of this uh, uh, with the six-man. Maybe he'll you know, test his cardio there a little bit. But, yeah, he's going to be expected to go 30-some minutes. Again, I don't know how, how bad he was impacted by this. So, um, like, going through that card... I'm watching this show. Unfortunately, I'm watching it to see how guys get through the show and to see how 
they fare and if they uh, look the same and uh, perform the same. That's, that's what I'm looking at on, on these shows because you know, I think that's a big, important, vital factor of this. Right back to the booking. Sarah says, what are your thoughts on Ibushi not being in the match to crown the vacant champion? I mean, personally, I think both Shingo and Okada have got a, a decent claim with Okada being the, the last person to beat Will Ospreay and then Shingo having a win over Okada in the New Japan Cup. I, I don't have any problems with that matchmaking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm kind of happy that they went with the most direct method, right? These two guys, it makes the most sense, have a match instead of, you know, some three-way or, you know what I mean? They just they went with the most direct route, and that, um, I, I think that was the smartest move. And in terms of the... Uh, well, okay, well, let's just quickly touch, touch on the level out, the uh, junior match. So do you think there will be a title change there? I can't see it. I don't think Yo is ready to no. be junior champion. I can't see it either. I can't. Um, I, 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 would be sh- I would say I would give it... On a scale of one to a hundred, I I would say twenty. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. And in, for Okada versus Shingo, uh, Bash says ninety nine percent probably will think Okada will win the world title. But with the performances Shingo has put on and the history of a new generation holding the belt, do you think Shingo should uh, deserve a run with it now, or do you think it should be carried on through uh, for Shingo to get to the G one and maybe win it and win at the Dome? And Ashitosh says the most important one: who should win? Okada versus Shingo, and how long would you have whoever wins it hold the title? I think it's going to be an Okada win here. I think all the booking was pointing towards him beating Will Ospreay and getting the title back. Uh, it's not maybe the most sexy option, but it's the safest option at this point. And I can see uh, Okada holding that title probably all the way to Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, when we would sit here and kind of map it out as best as we could, that was the path we were taking. So you can still take that same path. It's just, unfortunately you're missing out on, on Will Ospreay and, and Okada match, but nobody's complaining about Shingo and Okada. That's for fucking sure. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, but yeah, I think Okada wins this title and away we go through the summer and into Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. I think it's where we got to meet. Something that I, th- I think it was John Carroll discussing this. One of the possible benefits of having this new IWGP world heavyweight championship was the fact that now the only two people that have held it are Ibushi and Osprey. And you could have told that story of Okada, a multi-time record-breaking IWGP heavyweight champion, but him always never won the IWGP world heavyweight champion. And that could be, you know, a little wrinkle to his story that he wants to win this new title. He's never held it before. And that could be something for him to chase. Do you think, uh, do you have any misgivings about him immediately winning it uh, on Monday? No, I don't. Um, I'll be, I'll be honest here too. I mean, I don't even think, I wouldn't even be upset if Shingo won. I I really wouldn't. Nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, I I I want Okada to win. I think I think we need stability. I think we need that face. He knows how to conduct himself as a champion, um, and I think the company needs that. I think I think everybody's as much as people sometimes complain about Okada being samezies. Now now you want a little samezy. We don't want to try to create a new star. Now it's pointless. We we got we got to steady the boat. So. Um. Yeah. I, no. I mean, I, 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 I feel comfortable with it. Let's put it that way. 
I also don't really like this idea of a guy deserving the title. You know, what does that mean? You know, a lot of people says, oh, you know, Ishii deserves the title because he's worked yeah. really hard on Suzuki deserves the title. I think, you know, you, there, there are a lot of uh, factors that go into deciding who should be your champion. And yeah, the, the word deserve, I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, look, we all appreciate guys like that. And um, I, that's just not, I don't know. I mean, they gave the fucking title to Evil, so I think everything's off the table at this point. But <laughs> yes, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 we're trying to do this for real, there's plenty of reasons why you don't give the belt to an Ishii or whomever. And 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 you know what? I gotta be honest with you; it doesn't even have anything to do with the fucking fact that he can't cut a promo. Apparently, um. I just don't think he's a, a guy to to be like he's conditioned to be a mid carder. Well, you know, he's just he's, he's a mid card guy that will challenge for a title every once in a while and come up short. There's lots of guys like that. It's okay. Doesn't everybody doesn't have to win the fucking title? Let's move on to my favorite part of the podcast, which is discussing New Japan Strong, my favorite wrestling show in the whole world. So we had a collision on Friday, May the twenty eighth. We open up with Clark Connors defeating AJZ in 9 minutes 38 seconds with his spear, which he's calling the trophy kill. Um, I really enjoyed this match. I think these are two very talented young wrestlers. Clark Connors is really, uh, I think, bringing that energy of a wild rhinoceros. Even his moveset is, is reminiscent of this charging beast, you know, flinging his opponent around. And he's got this simmering uh, intensity to him that, to me, it really, really jumps off the screen. And you know, I'm very curious as to see where he is 12 months from now, because I would hope to see big things from Clark Connors in his future. And AJZ, and I talked about him before on this podcast, he's continued to impress me. He's just a, a, an inherently hateable man. He's got a, a punchable face. He's got that big Easter Island statue jaw. He's got his trunks that are like two sizes too small for him. The way he licks his lips and slithers around the ring is just a, 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 an extremely dirty boy. Uh, which is a good thing. And, you know, the in-ring is all there. He's got the fundamentals down. I feel that he could work on top in a compelling way. And I imagine he could work a crowd if, if there were a crowd there. He, he mixes all that up with some nice flashy moves. He's got his springboard DDT, the pop-up punch. AJZ, right? I would say remember the name because I think this guy's got all the tools to be a success. The pop-up punch is really... I mean, that that's a thing of beauty. That's, that, that is really well done when he does that. Yeah, um, look... We talked about not making new stars, and we can't make new stars. And you know what? You could, you could, you could take that theory and shove it right up my ass. Because on this show, you can, <laughs> and they do. Um, again, my biggest fear is is that you you. I mean, I, look, I don't know what the story is with uh, Leo Rush, uh, and AEW, and all that, and maybe they can work both spots. Who knows? But I just don't want this to be a showcase where guys look good and look strong and are just used as like you know a farm system for somebody else. Um, well, the, the Observer said that Leo Rush has signed full time. Well, I don't full time, but it said he signed with uh, New Japan, which I was quite pleasantly surprised with. Oh, I did not see that. Is that is that a, is that true? Uh, yeah, according to the Observer, yeah, he's a New Japan guy now. Which okay, if tr- big if true. <laughs> That's good news. All right. Well, again, I just don't want guys like this, this to us to lose out on guys like this because um, this is this is where this is where the future is. 
Um, and I would hate to see these guys get cherry picked and go off to other places. And the second match on this show was El Fantasma defeating Wheeler Utah in 14 minutes, six seconds with a sudden death super kick. So uh, Wheeler Utah, again, another young guy who I think has got uh, a lot of upsides. I like El Fantasma. He's grown on me. It's fun to see him in, in small doses like this. You know, when he's, he's like your annoying big brother and just little things make me laugh about him and tripping over the cameraman and getting all annoyed. Uh, him mucking around with the 20 count, running back to the ring in slow motion. I, I thought that was quite funny. Um, Will Utah, I mean, aesthetically, I, I may have said it before, he reminds me a bit of like a, a 2015 Will Ospreay. He's got a similar frame, similar energy to him. He's got quite a unique moveset. I like him a lot. I think he, he got a little bit of shine here even though it was a fairly routine win for El Fantasmo. But even, even so, if I were New Japan, I would want to keep uh, Wheeler Yuta around. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that as well. Um, I mean, what, is he in his 20s? You know, he's got plenty more to grow, fill out, learn. Yeah. Again, that's my biggest fear is watching these guys and thinking, they got to hang on to him. They got to hang on to him. And I don't know what they get paid per show or anything, but I'm sure all of them are fighting for dojo spots and contracts. But yeah, they gotta they gotta find a way to lock them down. They really do. Yeah, those would be two guys I want to lock down. AJZ Wheelie Utah, I think. Yeah, a lot of potential for the future there. And then our main event was the strong openweight championship match with Tom Lawler defeating Chris Dickinson in 21 minutes 16 seconds via a sleeper suplex. So, well, first of all, I want to apply Keeping It Strong style. They did a tremendous interview with Chris Dickinson that I would I'd recommend everyone to check out. And I love this match. It had a, a, like an MMA feel to it. You could really see a match like this fitting right in with, you know, like a mid-90s UWFI show. And I, I like stuff like the dueling leg locks at the start, the, the feeling out of striking exchanges where they're like trying to find their range. Chris Dickinson's kicks are really good. I like to, he's getting the advantage with the kicks. And then Tom Lawler just shoots with the takedown straight away because he knows he's in trouble. And uh, yeah, you, you don't often see matches of this style in New Japan. So they really stand out when you do get them. Um, I like having Danny Limelight, JR Kratos ringside talking shit. I, I could have done without them getting involved in the match. But to be fair, it was more of a setup for Brody King to appear rather than having a, a decisive effect on the match. So I'll allow it just this once. Um, I did love seeing Chris Dickinson getting fired up down the stretch and just start suplexing Lawler. And that led to some really creative counters. Um, I really right. enjoyed the way that they sprinkled the submission work throughout the match in an authentic way. I thought the striking was very good. We had chops, we had forearms, leg kicks. Uh, but yeah, one thing that I really like about Tom Lawler is the way that he uses traditional wrestling moves like a suplex or, or an air raid crash or whatever as a, a setup to transition into a submission like a, a guillotine or a rear naked choke because you never feel like Lawler is a, a former MMA guy trying to force himself to be a wrestler which you do with some people making that transition but not with Lawler I think he's done a really masterful job at blurring those lines and, and presenting himself as a legit high level wrestler who's seamlessly blending in his submission chops to elevate himself above all the competition like the, the way he chains those submissions together is really fun to watch because it, it breaks up the usual pacing of a pro wrestling match because I, as a pro wrestling fan, like, I'm conditioned to seeing a high impact move, you know, big slam followed by a little lull. You know, you get these dramatic peaks and troughs in a, a wrestling match, but Lawler plays with that format. It keeps you guessing by working in those submission attempts. And, and the brilliant thing is by not having the, the fact that he doesn't have a singular finishing move, like most wrestlers, you're expecting that tap out at any point. 
every time he locked on a submission move down the stretch, I thought, oh, well, this is it. So, you know, it could be a, a heel hook or a knee bar or a choke. And it means I'm constantly engaged with the match rather than having this, you know, almost Pavlovian conditioning to tune out and tune in when I see particular dramatic cues. And, you know, I'm sitting there expecting a tap out and then he wins with a sleeper suplex, which right. was brilliant. I, you know, I thought this was terrific, Damon. How did you like it? I really liked it a lot, too. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I like the fact that the main events feel different um, for, for, from, every, from everything else on the show. Like, it just has a different feel. And it almost gives that, and I hate when people say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Like, even on a show like Strong, like, these matches kind of feel like a mini big fight feel. Right? Does that make any sense? Like, it's, they feel a little more special. I, I, um. I, just by the way that they present not only Lawler, but but even Chris Dickinson um, and the match structure and everything else. Uh, yeah, some of those suplexes were pretty fucking great, weren't they? They were really fucking great. And the striking's good. I like the style. Like, I just like that hard-hitting style that, again, it incorporates pro wrestling, but a little bit more snug, and, and I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I thought the match was good. Uh, I'm glad we didn't see a title change. I think that's that was the right call. We don't. I don't want this belt to be flip floppy. Um, when it definitely could be, you know, there's no reason why it couldn't be. But I like the fact that they're sticking with one guy for a little bit. Um, yeah, best show on TV, man. Best best fucking wrestling show on TV. And then post match we had Carl Fredericks coming out making the challenge to Tom Lawler with the Gekiochi Kun sponge, which was fun. I, Hope he doesn't start using it as a weapon in the matches. I'm sure he won't. But uh, yeah, you know, actually seeing this, uh, it made me want to see Minoru Suzuki fly over for a taping because I know he's he's wrestled Tom Lawler before. You know, he was supposed to wrestle uh, Chris Dickinson at Bloodsport last year. It didn't end up happening, I think. So I think that would be a really interesting guy to bring over to, to do some work in the States and, and get his COVID jab. So... Uh, that is all our wrestling news for this week Uh, maybe we'll do a few questions before we go Uh, Vase Collector says would an all Mexican faction work in New Japan or for New Japan fans think La Sombra Ryu Lee and a few others feuding with LIJ Uh, sure why not that sounds fine I wouldn't have a problem with any of those guys rolling for a little bit little little feud there yeah what would be the problem with that um and moreover, Hun, can you turn it off, please? Because it's, it's noisy. I know you're hot, but I'm nearly done. I promise you. Thank you. Um, you can start selling the delicious Mexican food at Coracun Hall when, oh. <laughs> when they do appear. So there you go. You added advantages to that. Oh, Miho Abe's back. What? Breaking news here. She's back. She is, she is on her knees. She is literally weeping with joy at getting to be back by Taichi's side. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. All right, uh, three more questions then. Uh, Bash says, if Daniel Ek does eventually buy Arsenal, does he pay the players 1001p per game like he does artists on Spotify, literally building his wealth off the back of other people's art? Well, yes, there is uh, no ethical consumption under capitalism and there are no good billionaires. So, um, you know, trading one evil billionaire owner for another uh, does not move me at all. Uh, Sara says, recently rewatched Shibata versus Okada and it's still amazing. Was a relatively new fan when the match originally happened and this was the match that sold me on him. Can you recommend me other great Shibata matches? Uh, I think I talked on the show uh, a couple of months ago about Shibata versus Honma. In yeah. I think it was in the G1, but that was a tremendous one. Have you got any other favorite yeah. Shibata? Oh, one more. Uh, Shibata, Shibata against Goto at Wrestle Kingdom 11. Love that as well. Yep, that's great. Uh, Shibata and um, Ishii. Um, it was, a G- I want to say, 2014 G1. Uh, that's 
that is a match where from the minute the bell rings, they just charge at each other and kill each other. <laughs> uh, again, you can imagine Shibata and Ishii. Um, so look that one up. That's one, that, that is a good one as well. So, uh, yeah, plenty there to wet your palate. All right, let's uh, knock it on the head there. So I want to give a thank you also to people who've thrown us some money. So PD and Daryl, we thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate your generosity. And if anyone else wants to uh, throw us some cash, redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash J dash cast is the place to do it. Discord link is in the show notes. If you want to buy one of our t-shirts at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash superjcast. Thank you to Editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at LousyHero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you everyone for listening and goodbye.